far east of the Sword Coast, the Shadowvar and Discoverin have fallen. The Shadow Storm is no more. Sembia is fractured into city-states. A mysterious hero rises from the ashes to usher in a new era of prosperity. Yet there is still suffering. Cormir and the wild elves of the Dalelands offer war on all sides. Earthmotes, madness, and shadow dragons plague the lands. These are the tales of the heroes who ended that suffering. 1491 DR, the year of Sembian revival. Welcome back, everyone, to another long-winded one. With me, at least asynchronously tonight, is the author Clayton Emery. He's the the next person I'm going to interview from the Halls of Stormweather collection of short stories. He wrote the short story Night School uh, about Tamlin Uskevrin, which obviously is a part of the Uskevrin clan in the city of Selgant in the nation of Sembia, which is the primary focus for the podcast. In addition to this, he wrote the Netheril trilogy. Um, We mentioned him in in the interview with Philip Athens. Philip mentioned Clayton as holding the land speed record of two weeks for writing the uh, the Netheril trilogy, or the first novel at least. As well, his bio is is very interesting. Listen to this. Listen to this bio. He's a former blacksmith, dishwasher, school teacher, carpenter zookeeper, farmhand, land surveyor, firefighter, and technical writer. Um, when when I first made contact with him, he told me about the last few years, last five years, actually, he had been renovating a house and every screw and nail in Portsmouth. So please welcome Clayton Emery to the podcast. And the way this is going to work, um, because this is an asynchronous interview, I will I will read the question and then I will play Clayton's response. And as always, uh, we we start with some get to know you questions. The first question, of course, was: Were you an active role player growing up, and do you still play? Yes, I played in DM steadily for eight years. D and D was invaluable for seeing all the quirky ways a story could go and teaching a writer how many different reactions people could have to the same situation or hazard. I use D&D thinking a lot, writing books. So this is going to be an interesting interview for me because I'm used to sort of riffing with the person I'm interviewing. So in that last question, Clayton very succinctly answered the question. And in this next question, he's going to, he's going to drill more into the kinds of writing he has done in the past. Uh, from from his Robin Hood novels to his work with uh, TSR and Wizards of the Coast. So so the question explicitly is, how did you come to write for TSR and Wizards of the Coast? I had one book published by Bain, Tales of Robin Hood, right when editor Betsy Mitchell wanted gritty fantasy. The book caught the attention of a book packager who asked me to write part of a six-book series that was Rune Sword, not TSR. I also wrote for Shadow World. I wrote 10 non-TSR books. Then I get a call from my agent. TSR had a trilogy planned with Victor Milan to write. 
He wrote an extensive outline, 20 pages, then left for some other project. So TSR would give me the entire trilogy to write if I could produce it super fast. And I did. The next question I had for Clayton was, Philip Athens says that you have the land speed record for writing the first Netheril novel. Did it really take you two weeks to write that novel? No, I usually spent one month writing a book, then one month revising it. My books were polished, so I always went through edits with hardly any changes. Phil liked that. That and I included a fight or altercation in every chapter. I had the extensive outline, so I knocked the book out fast in like maybe three weeks. Since I was getting regular hurry-up phone calls, I rushed the edits and delivered it. It went through so quickly, I actually saw book one for sale in the local grocery store while I was still writing book two. Well, as an aspiring writer, um, or somebody who likes to, to just create in general, I, w- I was really curious about you know how quickly he wrote that first novel and how organized he must have to have been uh, in order to pull off something like that. So the next question for him was, when you write... Is that a usual tactic that you use to fully immerse yourself in the writing and just knock it out? Here's what he said. Well, I do immerse. Many people have learned that I snap if they interrupt me when I'm working. It's called concentration. I especially try to immerse the reader. Since it's a fantasy and not, say, a detective novel, it's farther afield for the reader not accessible. So I tried in each new scene and during scenes to evoke the five senses. So the reader sees and smells the book and sends you around. When I was in a forest, I would describe what the character sees as the landscape becomes visible through the trees and how the light slants and changes. I'd describe the smells of pine needles and warm earth. I list the sounds of birds and water rushing, even have them taste the air to see if a storm is coming or dust was blowing. Same in fights. In close fighting, I describe the sweat running into the hero's mouth, the smell of the troll, the grunts it gives, a scuff of feet on rocks. A lot of readers said, I can really picture the fight scenes. The next question we had for Clayton was about the Netheril Empire, the Netherese. The, uh, the sort of the, the parent society to the Shadowvar, which is so critical to our story. The question was, what drew you to the Netheril Empire and the Netherese? One, I didn't read any TSR books, so I didn't have a ton of background. Two, I liked the idea it was an ancient time and things were still fresh and new. Three, I had a lot of leeway to describe the world on the floating cities and their governments and war preparation and so on. I didn't have to worry if it'd be corrected. Of course, I always submitted a 20-page outline for each book, and Phil Athens would approve it and make suggestions. And I had reference materials for some books. I got to write The Star of Kursra because TSR had just produced the book for Kalimshan and needed a novel. And I had taken courses in Egyptology in college, so I was familiar with the desert empire idea. Sometimes my questions have simple answers. <laughs> this question to Clayton was, uh, how did you come to be involved with Sembia Gateway to the Realms books. They just called up and asked me to be on the team. 
Now we drill into the more uh, specific questions about um, the Tamlin character. This question was, you wrote the night school short story in the first novel about Tamlin Uskeverin. Did you choose the heir, quote unquote, to write about? And or what interested you in the character? I was assigned Tamlin. Then I read all the other characters and what their backstories and stories would be. Grim, 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 way horrible, terrible, awful, grim, grimmer. Tamlin was supposed to be a conniving, backstabbing louse who coveted his father's place and schemed to get it. He was like the son on Dallas, I was told. I didn't have a TV, so I couldn't check. I couldn't do it. The book was shaping up to be a grim fest. It needed levity, and I couldn't write a rotten character anyway. So I made him a Bertie Wooster type. He never worked a day in his life. He always had money. He didn't know its value. He didn't care about anybody else, and he breathed through life. Except now the family is in crisis, and he has to step up and work with no clue. But with the guidance of Escobar and Vox, he manages to bumble through a case and solve it. Now, there's a note on the book. I was recruited early, and I started making notes. I spent a long time emailing the other writers about the overall look and feel of Symbia. I got them thinking about the vastness of family, citing things like the Moonstone. That the family had dozens and dozens of servants, gardeners, house carls, maids, boot boys, cooks, launderers, etc. So the heroes never had to deal with mundane activities but were free to scheme and plot all day and night, as if they were some officers in some underground war against the other families, and just needed to snap a finger to get any kind of help imaginable. The other writers found this perspective useful, it seems. The way the book series, The Gateway to the Realms, worked was the first book, Halls of Stormweather, um, had, had a bunch of short stories in them, and each of the short stories was supposed to be an introduction to one of the main characters from the rest of the series. And then there would be subsequent books about each of those characters. Obviously, there were more for characters like Erebus Kale. Um, and, and the way that it worked was the author would you know write a short story in that first book, and then the author would generally write the the follow-up book about that character. But in Clayton's case, uh, he decided to not write the Tamlin novel. He just wrote the short story uh, called Night School. Um, so here was the question to Clayton. You were slotted to write the associated Tamlin novel. Why did you decide not to write that novel? I read the reviews. Everybody loved, loved, loved the book, except the Tamlin story, which they found fluffy and useless. Pardon me for trying to lighten the mood. The grimmer, grittier, bleaker, the better. The biggest favorite was the butler, Erevis Kale. They planned to write a book about him. I told TSR writing a book about Tamlin was dumb. Everyone hated the character. It wouldn't sell. And they should instead write more Erevis Kale books. When I refused, they gave the Tamlin book to some new writer. I don't know anything about it. The next question I had for Clayton was um, about sort of the larger... Uh, forgotten realms world in in general and that was did you enjoy writing in Symbia or do you have an area of Faerun that you prefer for example the Anorak Desert I enjoyed Sunbright Steelshanks the most I think his third book Mortal Consequences was my best fantasy 
Because he was a big dumb barbarian who was supposed to conan his enemies and his own tribe to death. And instead, inexplicably, he found his people dying slowly, wasting away without hope. So it falls to him, of all people, to save them. And for that he needs fighting, but more diplomacy and even divine help. So the fighter becomes a shaman. It's a great, whoa, wasn't expecting that story. It seemed to me that in the early 2000s, Clayton's work seemed to shift from the Forgotten Realms novels to his Robin Hood novels, so I asked him about that. I stopped writing for T.S.R. Watsy because I asked for a raise and they wouldn't give me one. This was after writing 10 no-edit, super smooth books, always delivered to spec on time. At the same time, I attended Gen Con for the first time. Watsy invited me to be a guest and had absolutely nothing for me to do. No book signings, no panels, no lectures, no fan time, nothing. I talked to editors. Why did you invite me? Oh, we just wanted you here. I asked why I couldn't have a race. Because your books don't sell. Ah, motivate me. Dale Carnegie would be proud. So it was strictly business. I didn't need the money. I had lots as a senior technical writer. There was no future in writing for Watsy. They wouldn't promote my books. I'd never get famous. Obviously, the fans didn't like my stuff much. So I stopped writing for other companies and worked my own books. Robin Hood and Mystery, Detective Stories. And then I switched to screenplays. I never sold any, but at least I gave it a shot. So I've spent the last, oh, two to three years interviewing authors and people from the various either Tolkien or uh, Dungeons and Dragons community. And I have to say that they are some of the smartest, most genuine and honest people that I've ever had the chance to be around. So I really appreciate Clayton's honesty uh, with that last question. And so this is kind of near the end of, uh, of all the questions I had for him. And uh, my last question is, is kind of a typical last question for me. And that was uh, this. Can you tell us what you are working on now? Do you have anything exciting coming up that we can be on the lookout for? Mm, no. <laughs> my last writing projects were working for the federal government in D.C. as a tech writer. I have lots of horror stories about that. Then I quit and I spent five and a half years renovating an 1813 house here in Portsmouth. And yes, that's five and a half years renovating every single inch. And now I'm retired. My only writing project is a fanfic Silver Age goofy, goofy comic. I swipe art, then ink it, and color it, and dialogue it. It's all mine, and it's fun, and I don't care if anyone reads it or not. To end the interview, Clayton left us with this sentiment. So, to finish on a positive note, I did enjoy very much writing fantasy. I got a few fan letters, like 10, over the years from people who really enjoyed the books, and that's why I wrote them. As a kid and a teen and adult, I spent many happy hours just reading a book and getting lost in another world. If my books transported some readers to a different time and place they could enjoy, then I'm happy with that. Clayton Emery. And this is February 26, 2021. Thank you to everyone listening. We hope you enjoyed this interview. And we have a lot more coming up for you to look forward to. Uh, The next author that we're going to interview is Richard Lee Byers, who wrote about the matriarch of the Uskeverin household. Uh, So we'll talk to him here in another 10 episodes or so. 
and um, working on lining up uh, several more interviews for us for the remaining 20 to 25 episodes. I hope you enjoyed. Have a good night. Though this marks the end of the episode, the tale continues within a 10-day. Join us at longwinded.one and consider giving us a review on Apple Music, Spotify, or really whichever platform you choose.